1: the f t Welcome to this edition of world Weekly I'm Gideon Rachman, India, the world's largest democracy, is in the midst of elections. Voting started and will go on for several weeks with the result declared in mid-may and That result could well be dramatic with polls and pundits predicting the end of a long period of rule by the Congress party, and that a new government could be headed by Narendra Modi, the controversial leader of the b j p party. So, to discuss the Indian election, I'm joined on the line from Delhi by Victor Mallet, our bureau chief in the Indian capital. And from Mumbai, India's financial capital, I'm joined by our correspondent, James Crabtree. Victor, first, I gather voting's taking place in Delhi this week, so what's the atmosphere like and why do Indian elections take quite so long?
2: Well, the atmosphere is, is pretty good, I think. Obviously, there's occasional sort of scuffles and problems when you've got up to 800 million voters going to the polls in one country But turnout has been pretty high so far, in some cases more than 80%, and it was over 60% in Delhi, which is pretty good, given that it's a city of migrants who've often recently moved from other parts of the country. The whole process is quite long, really, because the Election Commission has to do its work of regulating the election across such an enormous country with so many people. So what they do is they divide it up into nine separate voting days spread over about five weeks. And then different parts of the country and different parts, even of the same state, vote on different days until eventually everybody has voted in every part of the country. And then, as you say, the votes are counted
1: in the middle of May. And James, uh, down in Mumbai, have, have they voted yet? And, and more broadly, I gather that one of the themes of India, perhaps unsurprisingly, given it's a country of a billion people and more, is that politics are very regionalized. So does it feel like a kind of different election down where you are?
0: We haven't had our voting here yet. Mumbai, the city, votes in two weeks' time. The state surrounding Mumbai votes next week. From a business point of view, there is huge anticipation, however, about the voting and the eventual result. Uh, This is the financial capital where most of India's banks are based and most of its large conglomerates. And the business community is desperate for this election to be over, so long as it is won by Narendra Modi, the BJP candidate, who is seen as really the only plausible option to give India a firm, period of government that could introduce economic reforms capable of restarting the country's growth story. On your point about regional elections, um, one of the things that is striking about this election is that most of India appears to be having a more national election than has happened in the past. So, for instance, the south of India has often voted in quite different ways from the north. In the south, the two national parties, the Congress and the BJP, tend to be less strong and regional parties with linguistic identities tend to be more strong what's striking about this election is that the congress party the government at present are doing badly just about everywhere and while the bjp isn't exactly going to sweep the south it's more popular there than it has probably ever been so while the election outcome is still not entirely certain the assumption here in mumbai amongst business leaders and amongst most commentators is that mr modi will win and that does seem to be a pattern of popularity that is true in in most of the country which is relatively unusual historically.
1: So James you say that business are very uh, excited by the idea of Narendra Modi. Why? What's he done that convinces them that he'll be a good bet?
0: Well Mr Modi has been for three terms the chief minister of a state called Gujarat which is in the west of the country which is one of the most industrialized, least corrupt, most business-friendly states and he has a reputation as a formidable bureaucrat and technocrat, someone who is good to work with. If you're a business, it's easy to build a car factory or a steel factory. And the hope amongst the business community is that he will bring some of that bureaucratic ability to New Delhi, a city that that has been badly paralyzed over the last five years under this government and that that has contributed to the very sharp decline in India's growth rate from around 10% to now around 5%. So the hope is that if Modi wins in the sense that his party becomes by far the largest member of a new coalition, that he will be able to make Indian government function again and that that will have a big spillover effect on the economy and India's growth rate.
1: And yet, Victor, of course, there are others who have grave reservations about Mr. Modi because of his alleged role in communal violence in Gujarat and uh, violence directed at Muslims. Do you uh, get a sense that Mr. Modi has done anything really yet to address those fears of of his critics?
2: I think he he has, but indirectly. In other words, he hasn't apologised. What what he's done is to say that his campaign is about economic development, economic growth, opportunities for the young, for jobs. And he's really tried, on the whole, not to mention communal issues. And that's what he and his team have been saying. He's saying, look, this is an issue being raised by the other side, not by me. But it is true that many Muslims and not a few liberal secular people in places like Delhi are very wary of him because they see him as authoritarian. They see him as being responsible for the bloodletting in Gujarat when there were Hindu Muslim riots and many hundreds of Muslims were killed. And he was in charge at the time in 2002 when this violence occurred.
1: And what about the foreign reaction? I mean, Mr. Modi is regarded for that reason with suspicion in the West. And he was until recently not even allowed to travel to the United States.
2: Well, yes. I mean, officially, the the ban on his travel to the U.S. has, has not really been lifted, although he has been rehabilitated by the Scandinavians, the British and the Japanese. So he is now free to travel there, even if he doesn't become prime minister. If he does become prime minister, he will obviously be able to travel to the United States as well. I think the main concern, both inside and outside the country, about Modi is, if you like, his authoritarian tendencies now business is quite happy about that they want decisions they feel that the last 10 years under congress have been full of dithering delays in big projects and that really nothing much has been done and they think that modi can get things done in the style of a if you like an an east asian authoritarian leader like like a leader in singapore or, or indonesia and business likes that and the voters the young voters seem to like the idea of it because to the young people of India, he's offering opportunity. he's offering the possibility of jobs. So he kind of reaches out to the aspirations of the young, whereas Congress, with its rather feeble, not very charismatic leader, Rahul Gandhi, has been saying, you know, we'll we'll protect you, the poor, we'll give you things, we'll give you subsidies, we'll look after you, but not, we'll give you the right to this and that, the right to education, the right to free health care, the right to all kinds of things. And the problem is that People don't really want the right, they just want the thing to happen and they want decisions to be made that will give them those chances.
1: So, James, it sounds like almost if you take the communal element out of it, which of course is is impossible, but like a contest between the old Indian politics as represented by Congress, the party that was there when the country gained independence, and the new, more thrusting, uh, more business-oriented India as represented by Mr Modi.
0: Yes, I suppose you you could put it like that. I mean, for liberals, economic liberals of the sort that might read the Financial Times, the hope has always been that that you could have a BJP that did not have this communal element to it, or that you could have a Congress party that was freed of its dynastic element, because uh, Rahul Gandhi, who Victor mentioned, is the great grandson of India's first prime minister and has been part of this long family lineage that has controlled the Congress Party ever since independence in 1947. I don't think it's quite clear that the BJP has entirely ditched its communal element. I think Mr. Modi, as Victor said, has downplayed it, but there remains questions about what might happen under certain circumstances, let's say that there's some clash on the border with Pakistan or that there is a terrorist attack, as happened in Mumbai uh, not too long ago, how would Mr Modi react? Would he react as a secular, business-friendly, can-do technocrat or would he revert to a certain type that clearly remains within the base of his political party, which is much more Hindu nationalist in its orientation? And it's that that makes... As Victor said, certain of his political opponents and certain liberal-minded people in India and abroad rather nervous about Mr. Modi. However, from a business point of view, there really is no other viable option to create a stable governing coalition after the election. It's really the BJP or BUSC, and I think that is what has led everyone, you know, those who were doubtful about him, simply to hold their nose and say, this is the only choice we've got, so we might as well go with it.
1: And finally, Victor, I mean, are we getting ahead of ourselves because my assumption kind of underlying this conversation and one I picked up from the press is that the likeliest result is that the BJP win and that we end up with Mr Modi as prime minister. But how strong are the chances that that actually won't happen? That is
2: the likeliest result. But it's true that one can't be confident about it. Most people think it's very unlikely that the BJP or indeed anyone else, any other party will get a clear majority of 272 seats out of the 543 that are, that are elected. So the kind of scenario that everyone is looking at is a strong showing by the BJP, a weak showing by Congress, and therefore the BJP getting together with its allies to form a government. Anything sort of either side of that would be, I think, a surprise. So if the BJP did very badly, or if uh, the BJP did so well that it could form a government on its own without allies, Th- those would be indeed remarkable events. But there is half the votes in Indian elections are still going to regional parties or obscure left-wing parties. In other words, not, not, not the two big ones. And we mustn't forget entirely about the Ahmadmi party, which is this new uh, one-year-old party that sprung up almost from nowhere uh, on an anti-corruption platform, which could win some seats in urban areas. So... It's very hard to make firm predictions, especially when you have a British-style Westminster system where individual candidates are elected in individual geographic constituencies with sometimes many parties competing. So it's very hard for opinion polls to get an accurate fix on what's going to happen.
1: Okay, well, Victor, thank you very much. You've then more or less invited us to come back in a month's time when we do get the result and discuss the implications, which we'll very much look forward to doing. But for this week, thank you very much to Victor Mallet in Delhi and to James Crabtree in Mumbai. If you want to read more about the Indian election from Victor, James and all our other correspondents, you can find it on www.ft.com slash India election. That's it for this week. I'd like to apologise also if there was some dropout on the Skype line talking to James in Mumbai, but I hope you enjoyed the programme. Until next week, goodbye.
0: For more downloads, go to FT.com forward slash podcasts. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface.